talking about hear, how to hear the voice of God in the details of life. This is part eight, a teaching series. That's just the way God has always, always moved me. I'm a teacher as well as a pastor. And uh, we've just been talking about how to hear God. How many know in this day we need to hear him more than any day perhaps? I mentioned this verse last week. I really like it. Jeremiah 10, 23. It shows the state that we're in. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So we're not smart enough and wise enough to guide our own life. We need help from the Lord. So uh, God has given us a means of guidance. He's put an interior guidance system within us, if you want to say it that way, and it's the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then I've mentioned this each time we've taught this, Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp, or you could say the candle, or the light bulb of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. That is, God enlightens us and guides us where he is in us, and that's in our spiritual nature, our heart. And so we've, uh, we've taken a number of weeks to talk in detail about various uh, aspects of, of hearing God. The first week, we talked about um, the fact that you don't hear God by saying, God, if you want me to do this, then you do this on the outside, something I can see or whatever. How many know God doesn't work on the outside? He works, first of all, on the inside. Only if you're so dense spiritually that you can't perceive the Lord at all would he ever move on the outside. That's what happened with the Old Testament people. And we gave an example of Gideon. So we went into detail week one. Week two, we talked about the two major ways that God leads us, the general guidance of the Word of God and then specific guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we took a few weeks to really talk about the general guidance, the importance of the Word of God. Weeks three and weeks four, we talked about the fact that, that we're not, <clears throat> we're not uh, human beings with a spiritual nature. We're spiritual beings with a physical body. And the fact that we need to emphasize our spiritual nature, we talked about that for a couple of weeks. And then weeks five and six, and this is where we are today. We're talking about three ways. Now, we're talking here about specific guidance, three ways that you can hear God speaking to you. Number one, through the voice of conscience. We took two weeks, eight, uh, eight um, uh, uh, points about the voice of conscience, made it very, very Clear. You want to clear the fog away, the clouds away from conscience so you can hear your conscience distinctly. If we cloud the voice of conscience, it's hard for any of the rest of this to work right. How many hear me? So we talked about that in fair detail. Then there's the voice of the Holy Spirit we talked about last week. How to know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Went in fair detail on that. And that's last week. Go back if you weren't here to the website. Listen to that today. And I, I don't think I'll get through today. I thought I would, but I'm not trying to go fast. And so today I want to start talking about the third way that God speaks in a specific way. And is, it is the inward witness. Everybody say the inward witness. So are you, are you being led and do you follow that inward witness from the Spirit of God? Romans 8, 14, again, I just mentioned it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then verse 15, this is New Living Translation, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. That's a term of endearment, Abba, in the, in the first century. And so it's just saying our hearts are moved towards God, and we have this personal connection with him. That's what verse 15 is bringing out. Then verse 16 
It's where I get the word witness. The spirit himself bears witness or agrees with our spirit that we are the children of God. So there is a witness of the spirit that we as believers need to listen to as we go through life. And, uh, you know, let me just say the, the more I've got it in my notes, the more sensitive you are to the inward witness, the more sensitive you'll be to the word. And I can't encourage you enough. I've, I've been living this way now for, geez, this is my 44th year of walking with Jesus. And I learned when I was really young, if I really wanted to hear God, I needed to hear his word. How many hear me? God has, has linked himself to his word because of fallen humanity and because of the fact that our spiritual nature was separated from God when Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, sinned. And only our only connection to God right now is through his word. And through his word, we can be born again. We can be spirit Uh, spirit-filled, spirit-endowed, and spirit-led. So it's the word. When you involve yourself in the word, you involve yourself with God. Is that true? The more word I put in my life, the more of God I put in my life, the less of the word that I have in my life, the less of God I have. And the less distinct his voice will be if his word doesn't occupy a good portion of my thinking patterns throughout the day. So we've talked about that in fair detail. So this inward witness, you could call it a knowing, a premonition, or, or I just got this witness, a hunch, a perception. It's something, what I'm trying to say is it's something that's deeper than thought. And that's what is amazing about us as humans. We're so intricately made. And I'm trying to make the complex simple, but really, really, you know, there are thought patterns that we have. You're conscious. You have conscious thinking underlying thought patterns that psychologists talk about. But then yet, on the other hand, there are thoughts that proceed from the spirit of man. See, the spirit of man is the lamp, the candle, the light bulb of the Lord. And and it's those, those innermost thoughts that witness, that hunch, that perception. And that, that part of being led by the Holy Spirit, you don't get there unless you learn to get quiet. And I think we're the least quiet age that has ever existed. Would you agree? And that's the reason that people are having such a hard time hearing God for themselves today because there's so many things that are not just talking, they're almost screaming at us all day long. You know, I notice, you know, uh, you learn a lot just by observing. And uh, I just watch. I'm learning all the time. I'm, you know, 62 next month, but I feel like I'm just started in life. I'm learning. But I watch people and I learn. And I've noticed that, you know, all day long people are doing this all day. Have you noticed that? In the restaurant, they're doing it in the restaurant. They walk, hey, they're riding their bike. I was riding my bike on the trail yesterday. They're doing this. I'm thinking, don't, don't hit me. They're walking, you know. They could step on a snake and never know it until he bites them. All I'm saying is our, our, our minds are completely occupied. It's really, really worthwhile. Cut the radio off sometimes in your car. Cut the pod bean off sometimes. I, I will listen to things all the time. Sometimes just get quiet and think and muse. To muse means to think deeply. You know, if you do that, you'll start having perceptions about the things you're doing. You ever felt confused and don't know why? It's probably because your spirit nature is saying something. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I give an illustration here from Acts 27. Everybody good? Yeah. Acts 27, uh, the Apostle Paul was headed to Italy. He had been arrested, and he was, uh, he was uh, going to a trial, and he had a few uh, 
a few um, folk with him who had been arrested as well as on a ship. And that was a, main, a major means of travel at the time. And, uh, and uh, just to make a long story short, um, Acts 27. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. So Paul was on the ship and it was tossing and turning. You know, a storm came up and he said, this is not the end of this story. Something, I feel something bad. He perceived. Notice he said, men, I perceive this voyage will end in disaster. See, that's deeper than thinking. And then there were some people that overrode what he said. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion was more, the guy that was holding him was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the thing spoken by Paul. So they said, oh, it'll be all right. We've done this a thousand times and we'll be okay. But Paul didn't feel that way. Then later on, I'm summarizing because you can read the whole thing. Just read the whole chapter. I don't have time on Sunday morning to read the whole chapter. You do it. Acts 20, verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, abstinence from food, the, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the, of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. So his initial perception, that witness in his spirit was right. And thank God for that. How many are thankful for the angels of God? I think you're going to be amazed when you get to heaven and you stand before Jesus and, and you know, a lot y'all just bantering back and forth with the other people you know in heaven. And then, and then you find out how many times angels delivered you from this or that or the other. How many hear me? And they inter intervened when you did things that were not smart, uh, like I have so many times, right? But nonetheless, they were delivered. Paul had here had an inward perception. Again, you can call it a witness, a, a hunch, a knowing, a premonition, a gut feeling. So while I'm talking this way, can you think of times in your life that you've got that perception? You know what I'm saying? You know, when I first came to the Lord, this first happened to me, and I didn't... To begin with, I thought, what is this? Because I was, came to the Lord just before my 18th birthday, September of uh, 1976, and um, I was 17, and then turned 18, and then I was going to a, a church that had a Bible college in it, and a lot of young people there and such, and, um, but I noticed I'd get around some people, and, uh, and I, I don't know what it was, but I'd be around them, they're talking, and we're just having fun, and you know how uh, young folk are. And just enjoying life and such. But I get around this person and I never said anything, but I felt you don't need to hang out with him. I never said anything and I don't think you should. But I thought, well, no, well, that's funny. But I like the person. I like the gregarious, perhaps, personality, bubbly, effervescent, whatever you want to call it. That's a good person. But then they would say things that are a little off color. You hear what I'm saying? And see, my, I was fresh in the new in the Lord. And when you're new in the Lord, you're like a baby. Everything's new. And when I sense that, hmm. And so I learned to listen to that. So I, I, I just slightly and cautiously kind of backed up from having a close fellowship with that person. Then this other person I'd be around and I'd have this sense inside like, that's the kind of person you need to follow. That's the kind of person. 
that you need as a friend because they will help you overcome the tendencies of the flesh that have grabbed. How many hear me? So, you know, I learned, I learned, and that, that, that's the first sense that I have of, had of the inward witness. And then, of course, you know, a few years later, I'm uh, minding my own business, and, um, and this young lady on the side front row over here, we met in Bible school, and we got to talking, and the more I talked to her, the better I felt. And I had the inward witness, she'd make a good wife. And she's been my wife for 44 years now. How many of you can use that inward witness and you can find the person that's God's choice for you? Isn't that a good thing? Now, I'm talking about the inward witness, trying to give some illustrations so you can know in your own personal life how to, how to sense when God is speaking. 2004, 2004, I don't really like to tell you this, but, you know, the way I managed the church, uh, and the church was not nearly as large as it is now, and I did a lot of things myself. And, um, and so I had this motto. I don't like to tell you this, but I would say I wish my life upon no human. That's a terrible thing to say. I was just so busy. And, you know, I was taking missions trips a couple of times a year and then managing my staff team. The church was growing. We had just moved into a new building there on Aversboro Road, been there about a year. And, and you know, my goodness, I did most all the counseling. I did, I did everything. I was a do-it-all. And uh, I don't encourage anybody to be a do-it-all because if you do it all, you'll die eventually more sooner than you should. So that's where I was. Nonetheless, I had a trip planned in um, um, February, first part of March of that year, 2004, uh, to India. And I was going to uh, Calcutta. I'd been to India, I don't know, six or seven times. And, uh, and I was going to Calcutta. We had, um, we had pastor's conferences. I'm a teacher, and they left for me to come and just teach the word. And then we're going to Kathmandu, Nepal. And I'd never been there. I was excited about going. So, you know, I had made preparations for the trip. Bags were packed. You know, I had to take uh, money for the ministry and pay for the ministry and all that. And I always had to take cash for that. And I always put it in a, 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 in a, in a, in a location on my physical body and uh, where nobody could find it. And uh, anyway, and so that Saturday, February 28th, 2004, um, our church rented a, we rented a, um, a theater in Cary and we watched the passion of the Christ. Y'all remember when that first came out? We watched it as a church. Everybody sat and everybody's weeping all at the same time. We came out. Well, while we were sitting in that movie, I started feeling funny. My belly started hurting. I said, and then, you know, I usually don't have any kind of physical problems, but it just didn't feel good. And me, the way I operate is I don't, you don't tell anybody about my physical symptoms. Susan, I find out after I go through the test. I say, well, Susan, I, I just want to let you know, God healed me. Well, of what? And then I'll tell her, I didn't know you were sorry. I didn't say anything. I don't talk about sickness. I talk about health. If all you do is talk about sickness, then you're going to be sick. But if you talk about Jesus taking your infirmities and bearing your sicknesses, how many of you can be healed? So anyway, started feeling, and, and the further it went, the worse it got. We had four children all at home at the time. I think they were all, were they all, I think two of them were with us, several. One had to go babysitting or something. Anyway, that afternoon we finished and we went and ate some Chinese food. And that made me feel worse. I thought, man, I'm feeling pretty bad. Then we had to go take one of our daughters, I think, to Wake Forest to babysit. And then we came back home, we live in Nightdale, and uh, I got home, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, it's fairly late, and of course I finished my packing for my trip, and the, and the more I packed, the worse I felt, and I uh, said, so, mm. and then I had the thought, you know, I've never taught, started a mission trip feeling like this, so I laid hands on my stomach, I said, Father, I don't know what this is, heal me in Jesus' name, I believe I received my healing, and went on the way, now I don't encourage you to do this, then the next thing I did was ate a bowl of chili, 
<laughs> if your belly's hurting, don't eat a bowl of chili. Let me just tell you by experience, it's not good. And then I ate a banana. <laughs> I did. And so, you know, the evening went on and um, I just felt awful. I went to bed and said, man, I'm going to going all the way to India, had to go through London, England, and then we go uh, to uh, Calcutta. And I said, man, I had to catch a flight, and I went to Atlanta, uh, London, Calcutta. I said, man, I was, mm. So I got up uh, uh, Sunday morning, February 29th, 2004, and uh, I studied like I always do, got up early, and, uh, and boy, my, it was, oh, my stomach was just rolling. I said, wow, I never, never got up on a Sunday morning feeling quite like this. So I ate a banana again. And I felt no better really fast. And uh, so we went to church. We had one service at the time, started at 10. And that was, I felt so bad. I said, God, I, uh, I tell you what, here's the deal. I, I, it's hard to preach feeling like this. I'm concentrating just to, you know, be here. So I'm not sure I can concentrate feeling like this. So if you'll take care of this, I'll take care of the preaching. Now, I'm not kidding. I walked up on the stage at the other building and stood. When I walked up on stage, it all left. Well, I said, well, thank you very much. And then I preached. I stepped down off the stage because I had to leave early. We actually did the praise and worship last, and I preached first because I had to go to the airport. Got in my office. The moment I stepped back in my office, oh, man, my stomach is in turmoil. I said, whoa, wait, 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 wait. That's not the deal. You know, wait, wait. Went to the airport. Uh, Susan let me off, uh, uh, and I was sitting. I think you were sitting there when I was eating my sandwich. At the time, that's before, what's that? Still eating, that's right. Well, if you believe in God, you're going to eat. You got about a half a sandwich eating. And I said, well, I'm done with that. Drank a half a bottle of water. If you don't feel good, just eat. You'll feel better, I thought. I don't know. Nonetheless, I got on the plane. And I'd never started a missions trip feeling like that. I felt really bad. So I was sitting there in my seat. And um, whoa, I just started feeling really bad. I said, well, I'll... I got to make myself more comfortable. So I had this thing around my waist that had all kinds of money in it. And I had to tighten my belt. So I said, well, I'll go to the bathroom, take that off. I went to the bathroom, take that off. And I, inside, don't get on the next plane till you know what's the matter. I mean, inside, I perceived it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I had two people with me. Sean, you remember that? Sean, Sean was sitting right beside me in the plane seat. And we had another person with us and, uh, from our church. So I went to the bathroom, took my money out off, loosened up my belt, came back and uh, sat down. I said, Sean, um, I told him how much money I had. He said, you pay for ministry and you minister on my behalf. Is that true? And, and Sean and the other person went on and went, and then I heard, don't get on the next plane till you know what's the matter. Well, I stepped one foot off. I told the agent, I'm in trouble. I need help. And they put me in a wheelchair and I fainted. And then I spent nine days in the hospital with a, a, a burst appendix. So I called my parents, I always called my mother, and I'm mom, hi, if you're watching, she always watches me on Sunday morning. Um, so I called my mother, and here's what she told me. She said, my father, and, and, and in fact, before I went on this trip, now talking about the inward witness, before I went on this trip, my father, um, and I'd been on so many missions trips, I started going to Africa, I'd been going to India a number of times, you know, Guatemala, and so it's not anything uncommon for me to take those long-haul trips my dad, when I would see him, oh, it's probably a month, two months prior, said, Mitch, you know you're supposed to be going to India? And I said, well, Dad, yeah, this is my sixth, seventh time or something. Yeah, I'm going. He said, you sure? Now, here's what I know. My dad's Southern Baptist. 
But he had that inward witness. Something not right. And I didn't get it. And I often thought of, why didn't I get it? Because I was too busy. I was so busy. How many hear me? I was busy. I was praying. Oh, yeah. But see, logically, logic will rule if you're not careful. And uh, I might have sent something, but I just pushed it aside because I've done it so many times. That's our problem. We can do something so many times that we don't listen. So my dad, I'd, I'd call him, you know, call my mom and dad. You know, if you're a nice person, call your parents once a week. Right? At, at least. Honor your father and mother. That it may be well with you. And you'll live a long time on the earth. You want to be well and not sick? You want to live a long time? Honor your parents. So I called him, you know. And every time I called him, dad would say, Mitch, uh, you sure you're supposed to be going to India? I said, as far as I know, yes, sir. He said, okay. He, he, that's all he said. But he perceived. Then after I had, I had emergency surgery at a hospital in uh, uh, Fulton Memorial in, uh, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. There's an old hospital. And I stayed there nine days because I got an infection in my abdomen. And uh, I called my mother. And here's the other thing she told me. She said, Mitch, I've been praying for you for weeks. And she hears, and as she prayed in the spirit, she said, the only thing I could say in English was, and I found myself repeating it over and over, crying out, Lord, don't let him get on that plane. Don't let him get on that plane. Well, I said, well, Mom, that's what the Lord said to me. That's the impression. The inward witness was, don't get on that plane. I said, well, God answered your prayer. I didn't get on it. And then when I got home, I'd lost 20-something pounds. And when I got home and I called my mother and said, well I'm, well, I'm home. I'm back in Raleigh. Susan's driving me home. Well, she said, well, I didn't tell you the other part. If you hadn't listened to God, that would have brought you back in the body bag. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to know it pays to hear God. And it pays to take time. Now, I could have gone on to be with Jesus, and I'd been, I would have been there for a number of years now had, I, had my mother and father not interceded for me. That's the reason. If you get an impression about somebody, don't just have the impression. Pray for them because you don't know what they're going through. I, I'm, I'm convinced of this. Now, I'm taking some side journeys here. I'm convinced of this when tragedies occur. Listen to this. When tragedies occur in families, I'm convinced that God tries to get, get a t- somebody's attention in that family so that they can pray and avert it. How many hear me? So here's a question for all of us. When someone comes to your mind, do you pray? Do you say, God, help them? Do you take time to intercede for them? Do you? See, if you don't, it could be the difference between death or life in some cases or calamity and harm. How many hear me? So that's the reason we need to hear, we need to listen to this inward witness. This inward witness, again, can be positive or negative. There's a negative one, but here's a positive one. We came here in, uh, and tried out in 1994, and uh, the Victory Church used to be called Auburn Christian Church, and we were on Garner Road in an old building built in 1884. True story. And so we came up here the first weekend. We came up, you remember when it was, Susan? Probably in August of that year. And uh, had four small children. I think my oldest was 10. We came up in a van and, and we came up about 6 o'clock in the afternoon, a thunderstorm. It was raining cats and dogs and squirrels and everything else. Just raining hard. And thundering and lightning and a carrying on. So we pulled up on the church property. It was on Garner Road, old building with a steeple uh, and. Um, and, and um, pretty windows and all that, you know. And, and uh, so, well, look at there. There's the church that we're trying out for. And uh, that was interesting. So, so, 
So I, I ran up for some reason, on, just had a small stoop, not really a porch, just a really small place at the front of the building, an old building, white lap board, you know. And uh, I just happened to put my, foot on, my, my hand on the, and the door open. I said, well, looky, looky, Susan, the door open. Look at there. So I kind of felt like a trespasser, but I went on in the door. <laughs> and the moment I walked in the door, my head said, I don't like this. Because there were oak pews with padded seating. And there were all the ornate, you know, you got the three chairs, you know, oak chairs and a big oak pulpit and an in remembrance of me table, two plastic flower things over here. All right. Chandeliers. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is not my forte. It's not kind of building I like. I used to be religious, but I chunked that years ago. But the moment I got in there, the first thing I noticed was I had peace. And I didn't, couldn't figure out why. Because it wasn't what my head liked, but it is what my heart liked. How many hear me? So how many have been in a situation it looks like everything you don't like, but inside it's like, yeah, I need to do me. And we left. We brought Susan in. I don't know. Did the kids come? I think the kids might have come in. Keep your shoes clean, boys, girls. And then we shut the door back. You know, I called somebody. I said, well, the door's open. I actually went in. They said, it's okay. We, you know, probably left it open, whatever. So um, anyway, we became pastors here. Now, I said all that to say when we walked in the room, Against my wishes, my heart said, I like this. My head was saying, I don't. How many know the difference? It's an inward perception, an inward witness. How many know you can go into a church building and you know immediately where you belong or not? Is that true? Or you can be in a business situation and you know whether you should do business there or just intuitively, just, it's not anything mental. It's not emotional. It's deeper than that. How many get it? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, uh, you want to put this in your spiritual bank and let the peace of God rule, everybody say rule, in your hearts to which you're also called in one body and be thankful. The word rule, brabeo is the Greek word. It means to arbitrate, to govern, prevail, to be an umpire, to decide, to determine, to direct, control, to rule. Really, the best word for that is umpire, an arbiter, a person that calls the shots. That's what you want to think about with the inward witness. That's what calls the shots in your life. When you got to make decisions, is the peace of God there? Is, does it, is there just a sense of rest, of yes, of this is good? Or is there a wrestling, an unsettledness? How many know it takes some time to, sometimes to, uh, to sense that? 1984. Everybody okay? 1984. I'll get the date in a minute. I want to say January. It's maybe somewhere around the first part of January, January 3rd or so. We had, and I've mentioned this before. Let me tell this story a different way. We had a really bad snowstorm in uh, December of 1993 that covered, covered a half of the nation. And I actually, Susan, I went home that December to go, you know, we had, uh, we just had Jonathan at the time. He was a young tot, baby, really, just a few months old. So we drove with another couple all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Florence, South Carolina. And the couple also lived in Florence. And, uh, and it was tough. The roads were terrible. We got back uh, to Tulsa, you know, a week and a half later or so. And, and I mean, every day it would warm up 
you know, uh, just a little over freezing. And then at night, no kidding, it get down to zero. Tulsa has some really cold weather. And it got down sometimes to two below zero. And so you'd have black ice on the roads. So, so here it is, first part of December. This has been happening for a couple of weeks. I had to go to work. I was going to work early in the morning, work for a church. And I was pulling out of my housing addition. And see, I'll never forget, I was pulling out. And there are two different ways. I had to go pick some, one of my uh, coworkers up. And I was thinking, now I can go, my head saying, well, I can go this way out of my housing addition. Or there's a side way to get out. And my head was saying, now that sideways is going to be faster. And I'm always, if you know me, I'm always in a hurry. So I think, you know, that's, that faster way seems good to me. Well, I got to the fork where I had to choose the normal way out of my housing condition or this other way. And my head said, let's go fast. But inside me, I had this scratch like, you need to go this normal way right here. Now, y'all, I was in a hurry. How many have ever gotten in a hurry? I think the book of Isaiah says, he that believes will not make haste. I need to listen to that more. I got in a hurry and said, well, I'm going to go this other way because it's quicker. And I discounted what I sensed. See, the inward witness, it's a hunch, a premonition, a knowing, an inward thing. You need to go that normal way. I didn't do it. Well, I went this other way. I got out of the housing condition for sure. Got out of it faster. I was driving a a five-speed, I think five-speed, Mustang. And I put it into first and let the foot off the clutch, got on the main road. And everything's fine, but I put it into second and let off the clutch and it started going down a hill and y'all, it was black ice that I couldn't see. I thought it was road, it was ice. How many know you don't control a car on ice? And I was going down a fair, fairly steep uh, decline and all I could see was a, was a light pole on this side, left side, right side. You know, there should have been guard, no guardrails, but a drop off. I found out later 20 feet and it was a creek. So I'm going down and my car starts hurtling round and round and round and round. And every time it goes round, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just hollering. And here's all I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, because I didn't know what to do. The steering wheel wasn't working. I'm round and round. I'm seeing the light pole. Then I'm seeing the drop off. I'm seeing the light. I say, whoa. So when I got to the bottom of the hill, promise it worked just this way. When I got to the bottom of the hill, my car was backwards. And I was, I was, I was over at the, at the drop off six inches before it went off. My car suddenly stopped. Whoa. When I opened my door, it just flung out. And I looked down. I said, wow, that's a long way down there. It was kind of foggy. I just listened to the radio, 27 degrees. Whoa, look at that. So, you know, uh, had gloves on, had my big coat on, you know, trench coat. And had my suit on up underneath it because we had church service that morning. Walked around the car. When I opened my car, that flung out, walked around, grabbed hold of the car, walked over to where the uh, passenger side was. I said, oh, man, man, I left my keys in the car and the door. I was afraid to shut the door. I was afraid the car would fall off. Whoa. And then so I pulled on the passenger door and it was locked. Walked back around the car, shimmied over here, you know, just kind of. And, and reached in to get my keys. And when I reached in to get my keys, my foot slipped. And I fell 20 feet. Pew, straight down. I had gloves on, couldn't hold anything. Fell 20, 20 feet when I hit the bottom. It was a man-made bottom of a creek. It was cement. And it was about five inches of water. And when I came to, water's floating over my face right here. It wasn't over my nose. 
I said, man, that's really cold. But I thought I broke my hip. I got up. I could hardly walk. And I looked up and I started hollering help. I thought, well, that's stupid. Nobody knows I'm here. And then I got concerned because, then I got concerned because just a car coming by could vibrate my car and it would come rolling down on me. And I had a full tank of gas. I said, well, nobody know I'm here for a long time. I'd be gone if he hits me. So I crawled up the hill, big steep thing, and held on to trees and went over a barbed wire fence, finally got up to the top. And when I did that, my wrist, I broke my wrist. I thought I broke my hip. And uh, so how many know I should have heard? So I went to, I should have listened to that inward voice, the inward witness, and I didn't, how many know it cost me something? So uh, short of it, a guy took me home. Susan took me to the city of faith, called my mother. I said, Mom, uh, let's just tell you what happened. I'm okay, but I broke my wrist. And I told her what happened. She said, all she says when I, this happens, Midge. I said, what? She says, Midge. What? Said, I've been praying for you, son, for, uh, I've been praying for you for several days. It's a funny thing. I'm praying in the spirit. I'm concerned about you. But all I can say was, in the name of Jesus. Just hollered it out. In the name. I said, that's what I hollered out down the hill. How many know she prayed for me? Now, you know, I could, uh, that's a, a, a true story. For me, a weird story. But I could, have, I, I could have kept from breaking my wrist if I just listened to start with. You ever done stuff like that? So this week we got living to do, next week, next month, next year, every day. How many know we need to learn to listen to that inward witness? If we do it, how many know it's going gonna, it's gonna to save us a lot of hassle? I'm going to start this next week. I got one more illustration and one more verse. Everybody with me? Did you get anything out of this? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And God's word translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. After all, who knows everything about a person except that person's own spirit? Do you get that? Now, what do you get from that verse? There are things about you that your spirit person knows that your head doesn't know yet. See, that's why that perception, that hunch, that inward witness, that knowing is so important because the spiritual world is more real than the natural world. But we're living in a three-dimensional world and, and we're not as cognizant of the spiritual world. And if we become cognizant of the spiritual world, then there are things that our heart knows that our head doesn't. And that's the reason we need to learn to be quiet and listen. And then when we hear that fleeting sense, listen to it. And I could have saved myself a broken wrist if I had to listen to that last story. 1989, Susan and I, we had moved to uh, Mullins, South Carolina. And I started a church in that small town that had never been a charismatic church. We started a, a church there on, and we rented a building on Main Street, got the church going, everything's good, we're moving along. And then I had spent all of the money in my savings account. I'd sold a house in Tulsa, had some savings, spent it all starting the church. And we got the church off the ground. People started coming, yada, yada. Somebody came up to me and said, well, I want to I give you a down payment on the house. I said, say that again. Well, I want to give you a down payment on the house. I said, okay, I'll find one. So I went looking for a house. Susan and I went to Mullen, South Carolina, Marion, nine miles away. And we started looking, hired a realtor, you know, say, well, show us some houses around and such. We'd walk into houses. And uh, we'd walk inside, and, and here we are, just new in the area, new in the territory, been there a year. 
Actually, not quite a year. And uh, just looking around, you know, and, and, and looking at how we'd walk in the house. It's a nice looking house, really nice. Had, uh, had things we liked about it, you know. We liked the living area and the kitchen and the bathroom. Uh, and, and, and we, but we'd be standing there. It's like, she'd look at me, I'd look at her, and we'd go, that's not it. It just didn't feel right. And we walked in a number of houses, both in Mullins and Marion, nine miles away. And, and every time we'd get a sense, there was one particularly, I remember it was kind of a Victorian looking house. A little bit older, but it, it had been kept well and uh, had really nice furnishings and such. We walked in the house. I thought, if, any, if Susan liked any house, she liked this one. We walked in there, and that house was everything we liked. But she looked at me. I looked at her and went, oh. see, we had a scratch inside, an impression. Don't do it. No house we went into in those two cities. And so uh, common sense says, you know, you're pastoring in the city by your house in that place. Or nearby, anyway, you know, particularly if in a small city in a in a, in, a, in you know in South Carolina, certainly you buy your house close to where you pastor. Well, I kept getting a no, 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 no. I'm praying in the spirit one morning, and I'll start back with this vein of thinking next time. I'm praying in the spirit, and here I stopped and got quiet, and I heard, "You need to go to Florence. That's 32 miles away, and look for a house." I said, "That's dumb." Because to my mind, it was. Now, nobody in their right mind, pastoring in a small town, particularly in South Carolina, is going to buy a house 32 miles away. That's just, and then you got four children. No, you don't do that. Well, we had three children at the time. No, you don't do that. But, you know, the more I thought about it, that impression wouldn't leave me. Again, it's an internal sense. I need, to, I need to go to my hometown. I just had that impression, an intuition, an inner knowing. Does that make sense? A witness. Well, I called a realtor in my hometown and told her my stuff, said, I want you to show me some houses. And here's the short of it was we found a house in, 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 a, in a city right beside my hometown. And uh, oh, my goodness, we walked in there and it's like, you get that house. And, and y'all, nothing in us like that house. I know Susan didn't like it. You ever watch the thing Fixer Upper? It was a Fixer Upper and God gave me a price for that house, which was $25 a square foot, which is real cheap. And, and, you know, I told the realtor, now I've got a price I'd like to offer on this house. And we looked at several houses and said, but that one right there. Now, you know, it needed fixing up. And, but I said, um, don't, aren't you required by law if I give you a price that you go to the owner? Yeah, that's right. Well, a, 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 um, a professor at the college in town owned the home. And he had had a head injury in a, in a motorcycle accident. And he was in a vegetative state. And they were selling his house. So anyway, I said, well, I told the realtor, well, here's the I made the offer on the house. And she laughed at me. <laughs> There's no even reason to go. I said, don't you require? Yeah, I'm required. Well, go tell him. She did. I went home that night. And see, I just had an inward sense. That's the house we need. Had just the square footage. We had three children at the time, just what we needed. And uh, I could afford what I asked for the house. I knew I could. And uh, so she called me back the next morning and said, you know, funny thing, Pastor Horton. She said, uh, you know, first thing when I told uh, the realtor selling the house what you offered, they laughed at me. Said that, well, that person, their family will never accept that. And she said, the funny thing was that family called this morning. Last night they, they said no. But this morning, that family called the realtor and said, we'll accept it. And you got that house if you want to enter in the contract. I bought the house. Now, Susan didn't divorce me over it. 
but we had a, a one or two altercations. Because <laughs> we lived in the house with three children, and we fixed her up it. We fixed it up. I mean, ceilings, walls, flooring, uh, heating, air, kitchen counters. You get it, right? Interior, exterior, the whole nine yards. There wasn't anything nice. But we live there in Jesus' name. <laughs> then I couldn't figure out why that inward witness. I know I'm taking time, but you'll get it. I couldn't figure out, now, now why did God want me to do this? I never could figure it out. And we had to drive 32 miles to, to my church. And I tr- drove 32 miles every day to go to the office. And I'd stay there till late at night. 32 miles back then sometimes, you know, had to go pastoral visits and such, small church I'd go to people's homes, just you know, warm, a, warm a vehicle out, going back and forth. So why in the world? Why in the world? Listen to this. See, God knows more than we do. And if I hadn't listened to that and obeyed the inward witness not to purchase a home in the, in the community where the church was, but to purchase the one where we did, if I hadn't listened to that, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have been in position to be here. It's another story for another day. I took all the time for that one, but I'm telling you, you got, you got to listen to God. How many hear me? I didn't see it till a few years later. Like, well, I wouldn't even been to, to, to Raleigh if I, hadn't, if I hadn't bought that house. And we sold that house. We made enough money. We bought another house because Susan got pregnant with child number four, and we had three bedrooms. And, uh, and we found a nice house, and we made money on the house. In fact, so much so I guess it's okay to say this online. So much so that the people that bought it went to the rent to the register of wherever you go, uh, the tax records and such in the county, and said, I want to see what he paid for that house. And boy, the, the realtor had to go with him. Well, he did this, 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 to make the house look nice. And they finally said, okay, we'll accept it because they'd entered into contract, found out I paid nothing for it. And they were paying something for it. So we made money. So how many know when you hear God, God will bless you? Huh? The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. So see, I'm, I'm just telling you these natural things that works with natural things, works with spiritual things. Learn to listen to the inward impressions that the Lord gives you. Now, you know, for me, I, I'll go through a period of time and, and, you know, just life is normal and everything's fine. But here's what I've learned to do. Listen, now, now, now Susan knows this for sure. You can be talking to me and I might not even be listening to you. I hate to tell you that. Is that true, Susan? Very true. Because while somebody's talking to me, I'm listening. I'm listening inside. I'm listening for what the Lord's saying. How many hear me? Because, you know, I want to hear what they're saying, but I more want to hear what he said. And throughout my day, I'm telling you all day, I'm, I got something going on inside. I'm listening because I made enough mistakes and errors not listening that the older I get, the more important I see that it is to hear the voice of God in the details of life. So learn to listen to that inward impression, that inward something that you can't put your hands on, that hunch, that gut instinct. If you're born again, that's the Spirit of God witnessing to your spirit this, that, or the other. How many hear me? So I could go further. Can we do this next week? I'll come back. I got a lot to say, but I didn't think I'd get it said today. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, I pray for me and all of us. Lord, let us take advantage of the help. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And Lord, he's called alongside, in fact, inside of us to aid us. Help us not to miss the times that he speaks to us in that inward witness. Let our perceptions become strong. And Lord, let us all take time this week and from here on out to slow it down, take some time to be quiet every day so we can hear the faint impressions that the Spirit of God brings through the inward witness. I pray for all of us that would follow the purpose and plan that, Father God, you have for our life. I pray for every young person in the room. They may be in school, just getting started in life. Help, help us to learn to perceive you and hear you and be careful as to who we're around and what influences us based on that inward sense from you. And Lord, we thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.